like to thank you for joining us on the Redwood Christian Fellowship website, or maybe you've joined us on Facebook. Uh, we'd like to know that while well, want you to know that while we are in shelter-in-place mode, that this is one of the ways that uh, we'll be choosing to communicate with the church is through our website as well as Facebook. Uh, this obviously is uh, our Easter Sunday message, and the title of the message. Uh, this morning is a gift from God, the death of death. And what I'd like to uh, start with is the book of Colossians, chapter 2, starting at the 12th verse. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead, And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul tells us very clear that, in ver- well, he says it in verse 13, that we were dead in our trespasses. But God made us alive. Dead in our trespasses. Death was with us. But God made us alive. And how did He make us alive? Well, He did it through canceling the debt. But he couldn't just cancel the debt. There needed to be justice done. The penalties needed to be paid for. And so Jesus Christ enters the picture and goes to the cross, becomes the perfect sacrifice. So Paul would write it this way, canceling the debt, nailing it to the cross. Canceling the debt, nailing it to the cross. As a result of this, it disarmed the rulers and the authorities, the the demonic powers. It triumphed over them. This, again, done through death of Jesus on the cross. But not just His death, but also His burial and His resurrection. His death, burial, and resurrection. This is where we would normally say He is risen, and your response would be, He's risen indeed. And so, uh, we realize that death is the enemy. And what I'd like to to read to you comes from an article that was written in 2001 by Richard Deem. And the article goes, uh, the the title of the author uh, article is The Day Death Died. He calls it Death's Biography. Birth in early years. It was conceived referring to death. Death was conceived in Adam and Eve's temptation. And it was birthed the moment they sinned. This old world was a beautiful place to live. Death changed all that. He brought along with Him thorns and thistles, pain and travail. The human body began to decay and to deteriorate. Death rapidly becomes the strongest predator on the face of the earth, tracking down each victim. 
stalking its prey. Young and old, man and woman, child, red, yellow, black, or white, all the races, he was tracking them down, each victim. His most ambitious undertaking was when he came before the Son of God. This Son of God has come to Jerusalem as the Messiah. He is playing right into my hands. He'll be mine within a week, Death surmised. I can see Death as he goes along with the guards to the Garden of Gethsemane. His fierceness is kindled by what he sees. The one who has eluded him so long. He snarls and he roars, trying his best to intimidate and to terrorize this Son of God. But Jesus looks him straight in the eye and does not flinch. There's not one indication of fear. This Jesus has the look of a conqueror. It is death that feels a tremor of fear. Could it be that he has finally met his Master? Death was present as Christ was laid upon the rugged cross. And finally, in the midst of Christ's agony, he struggled for breath enough to say two things. Father, forgive them. And it is finished. And he bowed his head and died. The sun refused to shine. The earth convulsed. The, The birds hushed their singing. The angels in heaven stood stunned and amazed as the Creator. The very Son of God slumped and He died. Pandemonium broke loose in hell, but once again, death felt that tremor of fear as he pondered one of Jesus' last teachings, last words. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. Day one, on the cross, Jesus dies. It is finished. And He gave up His Spirit. After those words, it is finished, gives up His Spirit, He dies. Literally dead. God in the flesh died for us. And I want to make sure you understand that it is a literal death. John records it. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to His mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and He gave up His spirit. It says that, Later on in the same passage that the Pharisees and those who had put Jesus on the cross wanted to make sure He died before the day had ended, before the sunset because of, of Passover. And so, they asked that His legs would be broken. The breaking of the legs would cause His legs to collapse and, and He would no longer be able to push up from His feet and, and fill His lungs with any air and He would suffocate very quickly. But the soldiers said, 
as they looked at him that he was already dead. And while they broke the legs of the thieves on, thieves on either side of him, they did not break the legs of Jesus. But one post took and, and, and speared him into the side, and immediately the, the blood and the water poured out, separated, which showed that the heart had stopped beating. He was dead. And so after these things, John goes on and he writes, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, uh, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in that place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. They buried Jesus. At a point shortly after that, a stone was rolled in place to cover the opening. And it was even sealed and posted with guards. That was day one. Jesus said it was finished. He died and He was buried. Day two. Silence. The disciples were in hiding for fear that the Romans would come after them. Day three. Mary goes to the tomb finds the stone rolled away and it empty. She races back to the disciples and tells John and Peter. And John and Peter immediately get up and they run to the tomb. John runs out ahead and, and, and Peter behind. And when John gets to the tomb, he stops and looks. But Peter, as he gets to the tomb, he goes right in. And he sees the burial cloth for the head and the burial cloth that would have been wrapped around him as if nothing had disturbed it, but it were empty. It says here in the Scripture that they didn't know for sure what had happened. They returned to the upper room. This is the day that Jesus died. The day that Christ arose from the grave. And, And so, friends, what I want to tell you is that one day Christ arose from the grave. Death for the Christian died. Scripture tells us, I am He that liveth and 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 was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and death from Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And again, what I read in Colossians in verse chapter 2, verse 15. And having spoiled the principalities and powers, He made a show of them or a display of them and openly triumphing over them. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? All who confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh and believe that He in their hearts that He has been raised from the dead will have that they will be saved according to Romans chapter ten. All believers 
will be saved. In 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 15, I'd like to share what Paul writes to them in reference to some of the thoughts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and what it means to us. Paul tells them, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must be put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful set of verses for us. For all believers, for all who have confessed, Jesus Christ is the Lord, raised from the dead. And what he says here, just quickly, he says, what is perishable can't inherit the kingdom of God, can't be saved. What is perishable must die to death. And when death has conquered, we become imperishable. from perishable to imperishable, through the death of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ conquered death. Frequently, in a, when I do a memorial service for a believer, I will use these verses found in the fifth chapter of Second Corinthians. For we know that if the tent that is our early earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, we groan longing to be put on, to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit, a guarantee. So we are always of good courage and we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Our tent, our earthly home, versus what God would give us. He, Paul calls it a building from God. A tent, an earthly home, a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Look at that comparison. Tent, earthly home. Uh, I frequently have put it this way. Those of us who are, oh, 
understand uh, the, the old canvas tents with the, the push-up umbrella pole. And, and if that tent were to get a tear in it, if you were to go with just fresh thread and a, and a fresh piece of canvas and, and fix it, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't repair because as soon as that tent got wet again, the, that canvas would shrink and the tear would reappear. You had to get pre-shrunk canvas and a thread that came with it in a kit was the best way to do it and go and, and then repair it and it would be okay. But eventually there were so many, so many patches that you could put on the tent before it had become unusable. Just too many tears, too many rips. Well, Paul was a tent maker. He made his tents out of skins mostly. And again, the same problem. They wear out. And so he used that picture of our bodies being a tent to really hit home with us. That our bodies are perishable. These bodies are made for earth. Yes, our earthly home. But for all who believe in Jesus Christ, we have a building from God. Look at the transition from tent, earthly home, to a building from God. And it's a house not made with hands. No earthly hands have touched this. This is something God has made. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And it's eternal in the heavens. This house, this building from God, is eternal in the heavens. It's going to last forever. It will never wear out. So Paul makes it very clear. We are of good courage and, a good, uh, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, there's a point where we reach and, we, and our tent starts to deteriorate to the point where we can't wait to be with the Lord. The reason why we can have all of this is because of the cross where death was conquered. Going back to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And again, I want to look at the 50th verse. Uh, I just want to read the one verse. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. When Ray Steadman made a comment on this particular verse, Ray Steadman is a pastor from Peninsula Bible Church down in the Bay Area. And uh, one of my instructors off and on in college as well, and, and he said, nothing that uh, wins the approval or the applause of men of the world has any value at all in the sight of God. Let me read that again. Nothing that, was, that, that wins the approval of the applause of man actually you know, the, 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 the support and approval of the world. And remember, since we just came out of, uh, of the uh, Ecclesiastes, the world is everything that happens under the sun. If it, has, it doesn't have any value at all in the sight of God. And then he made a list of things that he put with this. And I thought it was a really interesting list. Oscars. Grammys. Athletic trophies, 
academic degrees. Nobel Prizes. A lifetime of labor done with and moral and, 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 and done with a good conscience and a sense of, of well done. He said, nothing of these things that win world's applause has value to God. They don't impress Him. And so I'm sitting here thinking, what impresses God? That which puts man at peace with God. And again, that would take me to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Uh, what puts us at peace with God? Uh, and and Paul uh, writes to the Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the, from the dead, you will be saved. That means you will be at peace with God. For with the heart one believes and is justified. This idea of justified. There must be a justice served for all of our sins. We're incapable of paying for it. But if we confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. This salvation is, is the sense of our justification. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. What a picture of, of, of it is, this idea to be saved. This is what pleases God. Uh, to be at peace with God is to be saved. Going back to First uh, Corinthians, in the fifteenth chapter, look at verse fifty-one. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable. On the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up by victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Most amazing Remarkable event in the history of earth is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Paul says there is a change coming to us who have been saved, who believe in Him, who have received Him as Savior. There is a change coming from us. We are living in these perishable tents, these earthly homes. But there is a change coming to all who believe, who are the church, the Christians, all who believe. The perishable must be put off. The imperishable must be put on. What is mortal must die. 
what is immortal will come alive. We put off the tent. We put on life. The tent is temporary. What we put on that is immortal is the building that God has prepared for us, which is permanent. At the point that Paul brought this to, to a head, really, in this, this passage, where the perishable puts on the imperishable and, and the mortal puts on immortality, look what happens. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? The predator, death, no longer has power over the believer. Will this body die? Yes, it will die. It, it, it's, it's the mortal tent. It's the earthly building. It will die. But as we put on immortality, as we put on what is imperishable, death has lost its sting. It's lost its victory. And so he would write to us even here, where is your sting? Where is your victory, death? For the believer... In Jesus Christ, at the point of confession, at the point of salvation, the victory is lost. It no longer has rule over us. Because we have eternal life in Christ. The sting of death and the power of sin coming by the law is gone. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is final at the resurrection. We are swallowed up by it into eternal life. So we rest in it even now as God's promise. The hope. A hope that we hold without doubt. Every time I say this, when I say we hope in Jesus Christ or we have the hope of Jesus Christ, I make sure that we understand it's not the hope that we have in this world where I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow especially in Humboldt County. But it's a hope that is imperishable right along with everything else. It's eternal. And it's tied to Jesus Christ who died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day was risen. Purchased. Proven. Secure by the death, burial, and resurrection. Secure in us, guaranteed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who comes to us when we begin our walk with Christ, when we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior. The last verse of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians becomes a conclusion for us for this message. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, My beloved family in Christ, he could say. Be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 
The world looks around us, especially today with this virus that's going around and surrounding the world and seeing the death. And I can't help but as I watch the news, and I've got to be careful not to watch too much of it because it's depressing. But we, the, the, the day is going up, the death after death after death. Death is having its victory over and over and over again around the globe. And it's hard not to, to lose sight of the fact that we as Christians, we as believers around the world do not have to fear death. Death has lost its sting. It has lost its victory because we rest in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We rest in what He purchased on the cross when He said the words, it is finished, paid in full, done, the deal is closed. All who believe in this will not perish but have eternal life. He tells us in this last verse, be steadfast, be immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. Colossians 3.17 tells us that everything that we do, we are to do as if we were doing it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Word or deed, whatever we do. So it's not only what we do physically, but what we say in our mouth. And our mouth speaks of what's in the heart. So it's even our thoughts. Whatever we think, whatever we do in word or deed, let it conform to Jesus Christ. And how we do that is by studying the Word of God and making it a part of our, our, our lifestyle. And so that's the idea of being steadfast, being immovable. Abounding in the work of the Lord. And the work of the Lord is no matter where we are, reality, we are serving God. We don't do a good job at work because we want to please the boss. We do a good job at work because we want to bring glory to the Lord. So whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3.17 Jesus, I know that it's, it's, it, that sometimes some, for some uh, it says that you know the, the the verse becomes almost corny because it's it's said uh, so often and it's it's held up at football fields and and other you know sports stadiums and and all that uh, uh, you see it on TV and great crowds that people want to see John three sixteen but it's the verse I want to close with. Today, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then it goes on and says, which we don't see it held up. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him 
confesses with his mouth, believes in his heart, shall be saved. That's the Easter message. That's accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank You again that we could come to Your Word. I pray that this Word will go out and, and bring strength and hope and, and comfort to all who hear it. We thank You for Your Word that You have given us. God, breathe that we might know You and know how to draw close to You, to approach You, and to see the things that please You. We ask that through Your Holy Spirit You would cause each of us to grow in our walk with You. Less like the world, more like You. More like Christ. And Lord, give us the confidence that while we dwell in these temporary bodies, we are to live for You. But we need not fear death. For in these temporary bodies, we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and salvation. That what is temporary, what is, is considered uh, something that will be given up, it's perishable, will be replaced by what is permanent, imperishable. The tent by a building built by the hands of God. We thank You, Lord, that we can have this confidence. And we ask that that would be the thing that would guide us, strengthen us, and cause us the desire to serve You in all things that we do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Again, thank you for being with us. And remember our website, uh, Redwood Christian Fellowship, or our, our page on Facebook. And uh, join us. Uh, through the week, if you and check on and see if there's any information coming up, and uh, occasionally we'll be posting things of encouragement that way as well. Lord bless. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the Easter day.